if there's one thing that people can take away from this podcast that I want people to take away from this podcast is that eating disorders are not about the food. Um, what, what the issue often is, is something underlying that makes you feel like you need to behave in this way. You know, there's, you know, the, the lack of self-worth or the, um, you know, the, the body image issues or whatever it is that makes you feel like you need to behave this way. So if someone has anorexia or someone has bulimia or someone has binge eating disorder, you can't just tell the person they need to eat more or they need to stop binging or because that do- just doesn't work. Welcome to the free from binge eating podcast with me, Breed, your host. Binge eating sucks. Trust me, I know. I was stuck in that spiral of binging, restricting, dieting, yo-yoing weight loss, feeling guilty and ashamed and hating my body for 10 years. Now that I'm out, I'm turning my pain into purpose by helping you stop binging, start loving your body, self and life again. It's time to live free from binge eating. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey people, welcome to another episode with your girl Breed from Free With Breed. So I'm sure you guys can already tell we've got a guest on today's episode and it's a guy, our first male guest, which is pretty cool. So I don't know if you guys heard, but I was on this guy, George. I was on his podcast a few weeks ago. So he runs a business called Myominds. And the aim is to demystify mental health and just normalize sharing and opening up about all of this kind of uh, eating disorder space and over-exercising, compulsive exercising. So making sharing mainstream, essentially. So he's got an amazing mission. He's a really cool guy, super fun to chat to. You guys are going to love the conversation we had. So much juice in there. He's really into research, so the the scientific side of recovery and just understanding this whole space. So lots of pockets of information, really cool to hear. And just in general, his story is very interesting, his upbringing and his whole journey through anorexia, binge eating, compulsive exercise, and his recovery journey. So without further ado, let's jump straight in and give George a listen. So three, two, one, let's go. Welcome George to the show. So cool to have you. It's gonna be exciting to chat. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's very weird for me being the person being interviewed compared to being the interviewer. I'm I'm like, especially recently, I'm more used to interviewing. So it's very strange for me to be like here waiting for questions. (laughs) Well, here we go. I mean, (laughs) it's gonna be, it'll be cool. Here we go. (laughs) Let's buckle in. <laughs> no, it'd be cool. I, I'm excited to like hear more of your story and also let listeners hear your story as well because I haven't had a guy on the show. So this would be interesting. Woo, first. Woo, woo. Okay, so usually I actually start off with like a quick fire round just to warm Ooh, up. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Crack my knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Marmite, yes or no? Oh, see, I'm not a yes or no. I'm I'm in the middle. And this is probably going to be the, the answer to all of these. I'm in the middle. If I have a little bit on toast, so it's not overpowering, I love it. I agree. Just dabs of it. Yeah. If if you have, like, some people are, like, ma- ma- masochists with it. Like, my dad literally, <laughs> like, spoons it. Could, like, spoon it into his mouth. And I'm like, what is wrong with you, you insane human being? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, a little bit. It's a nice little tangy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm yeah. a fan. Okay, last meal on earth. Oh, I was literally talking about this with my girlfriend yesterday. <laughs> Are we doing starters, mains, and desserts, or just just go for it? Start. Okay, starter. Um, those like little deep fried fish. I think they're called white bait. Um, with like with like mayo and fresh lemon. Main. This is weird. Um, <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken pieces. Um, you probably with the bone in like drumsticks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a steak and McDonald's chips. Wow. And then dessert. This is the weirdest one. Unlimited Oreos. A jug of um, peanut butter. A jug of Nutella. And like a massive like jug of milk. Like unlimited milk. Oh and I God, just dunk. Amazing. I dunk the Oreos and and then drink the milk. This is not the best thing for like two people with like binge eating to be talking about, but <laughs> like if it was my last meal, I'd just be like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Yeah, I'm just go for it. It's probably go not a good it. mentality, but you know, oh well. <laughs> Would the Oreos be the, the single cream? Double stuff, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I was speaking with someone the other day who doesn't like the double stuff. I'm like, what? Like, how can you do it without? You don't want that kind of energy in your life. Just like, just no. cut them off. It was friendship, <laughs> friendship over yeah. at that point. <laughs> you just put the just put the call down, put the phone yeah. down. Okay, a bit more of a normal question. Where are you from? Where do you live? I am from, well, I'm from a little town near Stoke-on-Trent called Leek. People might know it, but I am, I now actually live in Stoke, but I grew up in, in Leek. I have a weird, my accent isn't quite like a Stokey or Leaky accent because I went to uni at Durham University, which if people know Durham University is very posh mm-hmm. and people couldn't understand me. So I've now like amalgamated this posh version of my accent. Um, and this is, that's who I am. Cool. <laughs> cool. And what did you study? At Durham? I, um, my undergrad, I studied, I always forget the name of it. It's like, it's a BA, but it's sport, exercise and physical activity. So we did about um, like sport, like physiology, nutrition-y stuff, but then also did psychology and sociology stuff. Um, and then I've just finished my master's degree at Loughborough University, which was in sport and exercise nutrition, which is basically just like completely um, science-y stuff. Sweet. That undergrad sounds so interesting, like such a range. Mm. It's funny, actually, because I'm, we're going to talk about this now, I imagine um, coming up, but I'm so into mental health and like psychology stuff now. But when I was doing my undergrad, the so, the psychology and the sociology stuff, I was like, oh, I hate this. It's so crap. Even though I was get, I was actually getting my best marks in it. And I think secretly I loved it. But I, I had in my head that I really wanted to be like science like biological sciences. And um, like I just didn't let myself enjoy it, which is so stupid because I partly regret. Like I loved my master's degree, don't get me wrong. Um, but I, part of me feels like I should have gone down the more psychology route, but also not because there's a lot of things now that I can I can do and, and talk about and like, I can give advice around nutrition and not it not be bullshit. Um, can I swear on this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> it not be bullshit. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm up and down with it. But yeah, I do I do really love the kind of psychology side, which I'm sure we'll be talking about in a second. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I did just maths and it was not not so interesting. <laughs> maths is so interesting maths is like maths is everything everything is maths i wish i wish i was good at maths i was good at maths until i broke my back which i'll be talking about in a moment i don't think you know that but i did or maybe you do know i think Um, 
um, I think you spoke about it on my, we spoke about it a little mm-hmm. bit on my podcast, didn't we? Um, I broke my back and I missed a year of school. And ever since that missing year of school, I just forgot all maths. And then I was just naff at it. I did all right. Like I didn't do awful, but I was just, I was like, like accelerated group, like doing good mm-hmm. at it. And then now I'm just like, what is one plus one? Could have been the next Stephen Hawking or something. <laughs> I would have been if it wasn't for my back. I'm telling you now, you heard it wow. here first. Wow. There's, a, there's a universe somewhere, I believe in multi-universe where I am the, the mass genius of the world. You are. Okay. Next <laughs> question. Guilty pleasure. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> It does, it does every time someone asks you ask this everyone just just like immediately goes to all these really horrible dirty things in the mind right um, that's, that's i'm just like i'm just like don't say any of that george um a lot of people are gonna think i'm so weird sorry people <laughs> um i guilty pleasure um i like i'll tell you one thing that everyone always gives me stick for but i'm not i don't really think i'm guilty for i don't find, feel guilty for it because i'm just like i love it but i love ketchup on everything like mm. lich i'll have a ketchup sandwich i've had a ketchup sandwich in the past Wow. Um, but I'll literally put, I will put, and again, my girlfriend gives me so much stick for it, but I put ketchup on every single thing in the entire planet. Like I'll put it on lasagna. I'll put it on, <laughs> I'll put it on, um, what was the other weird? So I put it on toast. I put it on, yeah, anything. I love it. Wow, that's so disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good though. It's so good. You know, I actually, fun fact, actually, I don't know if you know this as a ketchup lover it actually originated in i think it was china or vietnam and it was actually a fish sauce and it had no tomato in it at all it was like it was like some sort of a fish based sauce and then it got imported over to the us became a delicacy and it was it was just like an umami taste and they tried to replicate it they didn't have whatever that fish sauce was and they're like oh tomato is umami and then it just evolved from there so it's ketchup umami apparently well i guess not anymore with the amount of like sugar but yeah. tomato is technically umami i because i never knew what umami is but now i know tomatoes are yeah okay. it's just like savory yeah yeah okay that makes sense that makes there sense. you go there you go <laughs> okay um what every did, day. yeah what did you want to be as a kid oh um th- here's a, another fun fact you're learning all the fun facts i actually grew up on a zoo Wow. I, I lived on a zoo until I was about uh, 10 or 11, something like that. So from when I was born, my dad was the head zookeeper. My mom, um, I think she did like the administrative stuff. Um, so I grew up on a zoo my entire life around animals constantly. Um, so I wanted to be a vet. Uh, but then I, like I said, my maths went downhill. Um, and I also, at A-levels originally, I took um biology chemistry physics and maths and then also my mental health was enough and I just went had a slight breakdown and then dropped mm-hmm. out so <laughs> um so vet school was out there out the window but I'm also very happy that I did because I think I would have ended up finding it boring in the end I get I don't like repetitive things I know that being a vet wouldn't be overly repetitive but like I think the fact that you, I imagine there's going to be a lot of common things that happen. And yeah. I feel like that, that would end up boring me a lot. And I know it wouldn't with a lot of people. I'm not saying being a vet is enough. It's an awesome job. But for me, it would bore me, I think, yeah. because I just, I can't, I need new stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Okay. Very interesting. I feel like you can make a movie out of that or something. Oh, uh, my, my, my life is a very, very weird, weird, like growing up on a zoo, breaking my back 
you know like it's just i've just i've had lots of like strange i went to culinary school for a year wow. like i'm literally i'm weird i'm so strange um the only person in my in, who i know who i've ever well actually there are there are obviously there are like some celebrities and stuff who have stranger lives but um my dad's life is slightly weirder as well we won't go into that but his life is even crazier than mine i would say but but my 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 whole family's life is just very strange strange upbringing same you know we're just weird we're weird cool okay next up what's your favorite season of the year oh that's a nice question isn't it um i'm gonna go with spring because spring is lovely and i feel like i feel like it's like the classic or like uh, one of the classic ones maybe spring and summer probably the classic but um spring is also my birthday um, my birthday's in april so mm-hmm. all around fantastic and i love like nature i love like um especially when i was in durham because durham is beautiful if people haven't been to durham you should go to durham um there's lots of like little foresty things and stuff and i would always go for walks and like like you know be that like tortured artist and sit in the trees and, and be like oh let me think about my life um <laughs> and i loved that i love i'm currently sitting looking at some sunflowers behind the, the sat behind you you're on the, the laptop obviously people listen um there are some sunflowers and it's just making me feel good you know i just mm-hmm. they they talk to me they do <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i love the just like the the blossoms in spring mm. like london becomes beautiful even amazingly i don't think i've ever been to london in the spring um maybe i have i don't know i haven't been london too often i've been a couple times but then they were when i was younger and we just went to the museums because i looked because i was a big nerd i still am a massive nerd um and that that's kind of my go-to but i've never like been and just like explored and stuff i've been in one is it covent gardens is that is mm-hmm. that one covent Garden, i'm yeah. so like like stupid when it comes to stuff like this but yeah i've been to that one but it was in like like wintry time like it was raining and there weren't any flowers or anything but it still was nice i still enjoyed mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. cool last question childhood crush oh <laughs> where do i start um i'm gonna go with my top i'll go with top top three okay, okay. um i think tippity top raven from that so raven wow interesting i didn't watch yeah. that show that much i think oh, it, was... it was so good because i think you're what age are you i'm 24 okay yeah i think it was like that age not because i'm four years older i don't think it was it was oh, like okay. not cool for me <laughs> <laughs> um then oh, there's more like coming into my brain that i'm like forgetting about um i'm just gonna go purely disney channel uh then miley cyrus <laughs> but like when when she was like like Miley like like before she like you know went in and did her like wrecking ball stuff mm-hmm. when she had like the brunette hair and she was like on the show and she was Miley and then she was Hannah Montana yeah definitely fancied her um and then also Vanessa Hudgens 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 mm-hmm. in High School Musical mm-hmm. like do I need to explain yeah yeah no, yeah I, <laughs> I still have a massive crush on her even now yeah yeah, she she is she she's she's got like um like psychedelic now. When I've ever seen her Instagram yeah. post, she's all like hippie. That's kind of yeah, it's nice. <laughs> cool, interesting. Okay, well that's the quick fire done. The important business out the way. I made it. I made it. You did. You did. Okay, let's let's uh, get into it then. Tell okay. us a little bit about your history with binge eating and exercise, because yeah, I know we have a bit of overlap there, and it'd be cool to hear your story. 
Okay, I have a little bit written down, so I'm going to attempt to follow mm-hmm. it because it's very, it's very all over the place. Um, so I apologize to people listening who may be a little bit confused by one by the whole track, but I'm going to do my best. So it all kind of starts off with the idea that my my childhood was, although it was like um, very strange with it being on the zoo and stuff, it was also quite difficult due to some different reasons. Um, part of my like I was saying, my dad's crazy story is that he was an alcoholic a lot of the time when I was growing up, um, and that made a lot of things difficult. And basically what it led to was the idea that um, I was, being at home was so exhausting. Plus being on the zoo obviously was very exhausting and, and tiring. Um, it led to the idea that I didn't, um, I didn't feel like I had the energy to, to talk to people or to socialize with people. And often I just didn't want to talk to people and stuff. So that meant that I, did, I never really like grasped how to like converse with people. I never really like got that down. Um, so it all just it just kind of made me a bit awkward and a bit like you know I didn't really know how to deal with life. Um, so what I started doing was I started playing rugby. Um, and when I played rugby, one I was I was probably the biggest kid in school because I'm quite like a big guy. Um, when I when I started playing rugby, I was good at it immediately, and then people liked me because of it, and it gave me a conversation topic. It gave me something just to talk about and something to do, and. Um, I became that like you know I was on this was only when I was younger it was like I broke my back when I was like 13 so this is before then um so I was only young but it gave me you know I became that guy who just talks about rugby all the time that's all that's all because that's all I had that was lit um yeah as far as I was concerned that was the only good part of me mm-hmm. um because the rest of it I was just like I just never really developed or like understood or anything like that um so yeah rugby became my life rugby became who I was um, and then I broke my back. Uh, I broke my spine. Well, it's, it was it's technically like a severe stress fracture, but the doctor said it went like all the way through, so you can class it as a break. Um, so I break broken just sounds normal or like better than saying severe fracture. Um, yeah, it sounds more badass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sounds cooler, so I'll go with that. <laughs> um, I also have a cool scar as well, which is cool because um, I had surgery on it. But yeah, mm-hmm. so I broke my back. Um, and that meant that I couldn't really do anything for about, it was like nine months to a, a year because I was waiting for, for surgery for the, about nine months, but about, um, six, seven months in, I had some like injections into my back that kind of like numbed it a little bit and allowed me to walk around and, and because they, they kind of ascertained that be, due to the way that it broke or something, it was okay for me to walk around a little bit. Um, as long as it wasn't like in searing pain, which it normally was. But that meant that because I was waiting so long, I gained so much weight and I became like really overweight. Um, so I, I I don't know what I was when I started. I was always kind of like a little bit chubby when I was a kid. Um, but I, by the end of it, I was heavier than I am now at 24 years old. Um, I, I was around 19 and a half stone, which is about 130 kilos, 127 kilos, something like that. It's like, it's very heavy. Um, so I, my body had changed a lot in that year. So, you know, a lot of my friends or like people I knew from school saw me before. And then I came back a year later and I was like, like double my body weight of like maybe more. Um, so it, you know, it was a huge change. Um, and that made me incredibly body conscious. Um, and just like pe- people weren't outright like picking on me. Like obviously occasionally people did cause kids are mean, but um you know I, I just I was so conscious of it that any kind of um 
any person alluding to it or pointing at it at all made me feel like really shitty. So what I did was I started um, exercising. I went to a friend, like a family friend's garage and they had like a treadmill and some like dumbbells in there. So I started doing exercises um, and I started dieting and I found that the, the less I ate and the more exercise I did, um, the more weight I lost. And the more weight I lost, the more people congratulated me mm. and said nice things about me. Um, and that basically slowly turned into anorexia, or at least anorexia kind of tendencies. So I started losing weight at a like, rapid pace. Um, but because I was overweight, I think I was, I was technically obese, um, going from an obese body weight down to a normal body weight, no one said anything because that, like, that's, that's mm. you know, in, in inverted commas here, that's good. Right. You know, that's a good thing. Um, so, you know, people didn't care about the behaviors, like no, no one really, no one knew about the, the extremes I was going to, but no one asked because like, why would you? Because, you know, it's, it's, this is great. It's going from being obese to obese to like going down to a fit body. And it's like, uh, but obviously that's not correct. Um, <clears throat> but only people started kind of noticing when I went from my normal body weight down to like becoming like really thin and underweight. Um, and that's when I went to the doctors and stuff and I ended up getting diagnosed with anorexia. Um, then the anorexia kind of over time merged into bulimia. Um, I'm, it's kind of all a bit cloudy for me, like the memories are, so I can, I can never quite grasp why it was that it turned to bulimia. I think it just, it just, I think it, part of it was the kind of, um, I was almost embarrassed about it. So I, I want, I like made myself eat in front of people because I was embarrassed that I wasn't eating and people knew that I wasn't eating. So I made myself and then came up with the excuses to go to the toilet. And then I used to do the like, self-induced vomiting. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> although um, importantly about bulimia, actually bulimia isn't necessarily only vomiting. Um, it can also be people use laxatives, people compulsive exercise to a point is, is supposed to be a, a form of bulimia, bulimia-esque tendency. So, you know, mm -hmm. if you like for, for me, um, especially when I was you know at my worst I used to if I did like a, a binge eat I would I feel like I need to go run a 10k or something or you know um and that was kind of you know, similar tendencies so from there what I think started to happen was my body ideal um started to change and I wanted this like muscular physique instead because I'd been kind of lifting weights and um, I've late, later now learned more about muscle dysmorphia and I think I was, uh, I've never been like diagnosed with it, but I don't think you could be diagnosed with it when I was, um, when I was the age that I was. Um, in fact, I know you couldn't, um, because it wasn't in the diagnostics manual, but now that it has, I think, I think I would technically have been diagnosed with it, but basically I just, I was so obsessed with being like as big as possible, but also being as lean and like with the six pack abs and stuff. Um, so I, 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 it, to, Often with muscle dysmorphia, there's this thing called muscle-oriented disordered eating, which is where people, you know, you have the issue with trying to be as big as possible, but also being as lean as possible is you need more calories, but you also don't want more calories. Yeah. So it became a weird thing in my head. And I just, I basically did, that's where the binge eating started to come. Um, I started like force feeding myself. I, it would be, it would usually be, I'm eating and gaining, gaining body weight. Um, and gaining some muscle and I'd, I'd be feeling a bit okay but then I'd notice that I'd put on body fat so I'd start feeling bad about myself so I'd start restricting and then because I'm restricting I'd feel like I need to binge so then I'd be binge eating um, and then also part of muscle dysmorphia is this compulsive exercise that comes with it usually um, so what kind of defines compulsive exercise often in, in the research is that um, it's that 
it's the fear of the negative consequences that will come if you don't do it. So there's, there's kind of, <clears throat> often it gets confused with exercise addiction, um, whereas exercise addiction is more of a positive reinforcer. So um, you want to exercise more because it feels good. So it's like, oh, that exercise felt good, so I'm going to do more exercise. And that has its, more, that has its own issues <clears throat> in the fact that you overtrain, you can injure yourself from training too much. But compulsive exercise, which is what um, tends to be the kind of the big like issue or the contributor to poor mental health, um, is that if I don't exercise, something bad's going to happen. And whether that's, you know, you're going to, you're going to gain body fat or you're going to lose muscle or you're just going to feel anxious or whatever. Um, and it basically just turned into that spiral. And then I had that for um, <clears throat> a lot of my life. Um, I would say the anorexia, I started pretty much like when I was like 14, 15, like around when I finished my back. Um, and then the bulimia started probably like 16 up until I went to uni and then it was around halfway through my first year of uni, I would say that I started with my binge eating instead and, and stopped like the kind of purging behaviors. And then, yeah, that's kind of where it went. And I'm sure we're going to go more into like where it went from there later on. Indeed. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting to see like your like journey of how it started and then mm. why it, it like evolved into different forms because it's quite different than the typical route that a woman takes because obviously mm -hmm. yours was like fed in because of like wanting to be big and lean which isn't often the case for women it's often mm -hmm. like the opposite but yeah. still we get trapped in the same cycle which is so interesting yeah it's interesting it's interesting um it's actually so I, I think one of the reasons why um you probably know this but a lot back in like back in the day eating disorders were often seen as just like a female thing mm -hmm. like it was only, only women could get it and a lot of the reason for that is because the scientific research they only did it on women they didn't they didn't bother researching guys um in fact i think I, I read a paper um that showed that i think up until i think around 2013 i might be misquoting this but around 2013 less than one percent of the studies on disordered eating were done on males wow so like 99.9 percent .9 or something were done on females so it's like just only they only bothered looking into women because they just presumed guys couldn't get it and originally muscle dysmorphia that i was just talking about there was termed reverse anorexia so it was it was basically the the male version of anorexia they thought so it was the opposite the yeah. idea that you want to get as big as possible rather than as small as possible it's quite interesting so interesting yeah because when you were going through um saying that like you developed anorexia at like 14 15 mm -hmm. i was thinking like yeah even back then it must have been just like not talked about at all within the male community like how did it feel not not seeing it anywhere not being able to talk like did you talk about it with anyone um <clears throat> I, honest, I didn't like you know, part of the issue with with eating disorders and part of the issue with um male eating disorders and part of the issue with exerciser eating disorders people who exercise and part of the reason why i do my minds which i'm sure we'll talk about in a bit but um is you know that <clears throat> there's that there's, it's not spoken about enough, like you're saying, to the point where you know I didn't I didn't even know it was an eating disorder because I didn't I didn't know like that I could have it. I thought you know I'm exercising loads, so that's a good thing. Like everyone knows that doing loads of exercise is good for you. So like and and I know that you know not eating cakes and stuff is is supposed to be good for me. So you know I'm not eating any cakes or any chocolate or anything like that, and I'm doing loads of exercise, so that's great. Like what's what's wrong with that? But then you know. What I didn't realize was that I was eating 
considerably less calories than than I should be eating. Well, I did know, but I just I just convinced myself it was okay. Um, yeah, it was it's difficult. It was difficult being a guy and being an exerciser. I think just because it because there's so little conversation about it. Um, part of the struggle was just even just realizing that it was an issue. Like I had someone yeah. else, someone else had to realize for me. Yeah, how did that go? Um, I think it was me, my mom, who first said it to me, or like first kind of pointed out that maybe I should go see a doctor about it or something. Um, because I, I was also just like often with disordered eating and stuff, you have like high levels of depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So my depression and anxiety was really bad, and then um, my mom pointed out that you know I wasn't eating very much and that I'd started losing loads of weight, and um, you know, and, and I think they noticed the kind of the urgency and um you know that compulsive behavior that you know i need to go to the gym like you know and if, if i didn't they, i think you could people you could visibly see on me how it was affecting me mm-hmm. like I, I couldn't sit still i couldn't uh, focus on anything because it was like I, if i don't go now i can't go like the gym's gonna close or like the, the people the, when i was training at those people's houses like uh, you know they uh, i might wake them up if i go too late so i can't go late on and um yeah it was just yeah she pointed out to me and then again it's hard for me to remember um exactly how it was but I think I I remember being a bit embarrassed um about going about like being a guy and going and talking about my eating issues Mm -hmm. um again because like it just wasn't spoken about in guys like you know if I if I had ever heard about eating disorders it was always a girl it was all like it was or like it was always a a woman or a girl or you know it was it was always a female person Mm -hmm. so for me to be going and talking about it, it felt weird yeah I can even imagine like potentially feeling like emasculating because it was such a female thing mm, yeah I would <clears throat> I think that's where the embarrassment came from was right. the idea yeah that you know it's less I am I'm less masculine because of it right right um, yeah yeah I think that's right do you think that's kind of where it sort of like swung the other way to like let me get big now to, to kind of like go in the other direction yeah, I guess so. Um, I never thought about it like that. I guess often in the kind of the muscle dysmorphia research, they talk about, you know, it's normally like a life event that that makes the individual feel like they're weak or like emasculated or you know, normally it's something that, you know, they feel like they need to show off or they need to protect themselves because of some events that's happened or some kind of belief about themselves. Um so yeah, it probably was that. It probably was the idea that now I feel emasculated or I feel like I'm less kind of macho because of mm. my eating disorder. So now I need to counter that. I need to like, instead of being like thin as possible, I need to get as big and muscular as possible. Okay, before we continue, I just want to jump in and let you guys know about something that could really, really help you out. So if you've been loving these episodes and all of the tips and you feel like it's been really helpful, but you just need a bit more, maybe a bit more structure, then check out my 30 day reboot course. It is an online course. So you can literally start today, 30 days of content. So each day you get new content in written form, video form, audio form, just to keep it nice and fresh. And the content is exactly the same as what I go through in one-to-ones. So really amazing value. And you get some lovely audio meditations along the way as well. And we have a Facebook group. So you know you're not alone. There are plenty of others in there. So 
If you are sick of waiting around and delaying that life that you want, you're so ready to finally kick binge eating out of your life and return to that relaxed, confident, happy version of you that you know is deep down inside, then this course is literally made for you. And best of all, it's just 60 pounds. So literally the price of a trip to Zara or Topshop, but obviously it's worth so much more than that because it is literally eye-opening and life-changing as one past alumni put it. So if it sounds good to you, pop over to my website to sign up today or just scroll down to the show notes and I'm gonna include a link there too. All right, let's get back into today's episode. So then what did it what did it look like as you started to recover? What was that journey like? So yeah, the recovery. Um it mostly started in my second year of uni. So first year of uni was very much um I was just like awkward, like um I, you know, I just I lived in I literally lived in the gym. My my room, I could see the gym, like the my college gym from because Durham's Durham's split into colleges kind of like Hogwarts or something like from Harry Potter. Right. Um so there's there's loads of different loads of different colleges with different um names of my college Van Milder there's um a gym like under this building and I lived like in view of the gym so I could see it as like it was like pretty like like 20 feet away from my my bedroom window so I, I just I would be in there all the time I would I'd even study in there I'd take my laptop wow. and I'd sit in there and I'd study whilst watching and talk to people training like I literally I actually lived in the gym um so it, it yeah it just it was just it all encompassing like I would binge it in my room and then I wouldn't leave my room for a bit and then yeah just awful and then in second year about halfway through my binge eating and um my depression anxiety probably got its worst it's ever been or yeah up there up there with the worst it's ever been mm -hmm. and I had the what I call I still refer to as the leaning tower of pizza boxes where I had I had pizza boxes that were nearly as tall as me stacked up in my room and, and bearing in mind I'm six two Wow. There was a lot of there was a lot of pizza boxes, um, so yeah, it got it got really bad. Um, and my parents ended up saying I need to go see a counselor, and I ended up going to see this guy who I'm going to refer to as Ed. Um, he was yeah, he's the reason I'm such an advocate for counselling now because you know I've I've seen counsellors in before him and um, it never quite clicked. But I think you know when you find a counsellor that kind of works for you, I think it's so so useful. Um, he had a big beard and he had an Irish accent. Um, and it was just, it was just, it was just great to go and just listen to him speak uh, <laughs> and also me speak as well. Um, <clears throat> but basically what I worked on with Ed, um, was the idea that in my, in my head, there's a thing with eating disorders and a thing with compulsive exercise that people don't realize. And, and this is, if there's one thing that people can take away from this podcast that I want people to take away from this podcast is that eating disorders are not about the food um what what the issue often is is something underlying that makes you <clears throat> feel like you need to behave in this way you know there's you know the the lack of self-worth or the um you know the the body image issues or whatever it is that makes you feel like you need to behave this way so if someone has anorexia or someone has bulimia or someone has binge eating disorder you can't just tell the person they need to eat more or they need to stop binging or because that do just doesn't work um, and I understand <clears throat> I'm not like I'm not kicking off people for saying that kind of stuff because I get 
sometimes people panic and they don't know what to say and then they just come out with that um but that really doesn't help um and yeah yeah so i i basically what i started to work on with ed was trying to figure out what it was underlying this and basically what we kind of came to the conclusion was that i just i all my life i had always hidden who i was because of because of the, my, my circumstances when i was younger and um, i didn't want to speak to people <clears throat> and um i covered myself with, with rugby and um and then i started covering myself up with the, this like gym and like losing weight and being the guy who like loses all this weight and stuff and it came to the conclusion that I had this, what we were termed as the good George and the bad George. So the good George was this, this person that I displayed either the rugby player or the, the gym goer, um, whatever. And then I had the bad George, which was the actual me, the one who had issues sometimes. And the one that been, was binge eating and the one that, you know, just bad, the, the negative things happened to, I, I would, I, or I basically like, I even compulsive lie. Like I was like, cause a compulsive lie, like if anyone, asked me how something was going I would just say it went well and I would talk about how good it went even if it was complete bullshit mm. like because I was just so terrified that anyone knew anything negative about me they would instantly hate me or like ridicule me or anything like that and then what we basically started to do is we worked on this it's kind of like narrative therapy where you write out your story and then you go through your story either you, you even just writing it out yourself you kind of you start to have these epiphanies but he went through it with me um and you basically just start to to realize that you're you're not as bad as you thought you were or these things that you're convincing yourself that you're bad for aren't as, as weird or as bad or as abnormal as you might think they are and then what i started doing was i started telling people so very slowly if someone asked me if i was having how how, how i was i would say i'm actually not that great today or like i'm feeling a bit naff um, and then I, you know over time i increased the amount that i shared with people um and then, you know, over time, I slowly realized that people didn't hate me for, for having a bad day or for not doing as well on an exam or like not getting a good grade on something or, you know, whatever it was, people didn't hate me or like not want to be my friend or whatever. In fact, often it meant that people wanted to talk to me back about their stuff that they're struggling right. with. And they actually felt good about the idea that I was open. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I, I realized that people just didn't hate me for it. Um, so then from there, that, that kind of, you know, helped my mental health point and, and, you know, I'm still kind of practicing that to this day. Um, and then in regards to my kind of binge eating and my um, exercise, I kind of did a similar method in that kind of slowly weaning into it. Um, I started, it was, it, I think it's a lot more complex than this, you know, I was working on it for a long time and it is, I don't want to make this sound like it was an easy thing. Like it really wasn't. There's was lots of times where it, it cocked up and I had to start again. And like, it, it really isn't a smooth thing. And I still struggle with my binge eating now. Um, I haven't done for a, a couple months, I would say, or maybe three months, but you know, I still, still do have episodes mm -hmm. of it occasionally. But basically what I started doing was I started tracking less. So I'd always track my diet when before. So I started off with things like, you know, I stopped, stopped tracking my vegetables, um, then you know, stopped tracking certain sources. And, and, and now I don't track at all. And that helps me personally. Um, and with the exercise, I just started, um, I started off just doing slightly less in a workout. So, you know, normally I do a certain amount of running at the end, or I do a certain amount of sets. This one workout, I wouldn't do as many sets on this one exercise. And then I'd see how I felt and I'd be like, oh, I haven't changed. I don't look any different. And then I'd slowly realize that, I don't need to go twice a day every day and I'm like, like I don't even need to go every day <laughs> like you know it's gonna be all right I'm not gonna like nothing's good bad's gonna happen to me if anything actually I started getting stronger and you know started you know getting better 
changes because I wasn't going as often. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of where where I the journey went, and that's where I am now. Where you know now nowadays I can miss workouts like I didn't I didn't train yesterday, um, and I, I don't feel bad about it. I um, like I said I haven't been binge eating for like two or three months, and 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 often when I do binge eat now, um, it normally lasts like maximum like a day or two days. Whereas before it would be two weeks, three weeks, a month of me just binge eating every day, like uncontrollably. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a slow process, but I am, it, I'm considerably better than I was in the past. Amazing. Well, first of all, like, thanks for um, being like open and honest about that. Not being like, oh, I'm fixed now. It's perfect. <laughs> I don't binge. Cause it's easy for someone who's like in this space to kind of, across that because we don't want to show like our flaws but it's so cool that you said that and um it's cool as well or interesting that you say like oh it was kind of like bit by bit slow Mm. and steady all those incremental changes and like it's exactly what I also work with with my clients is like let's not try to just stop binge eating overnight and let's not try to take away trapping overnight like let's do it one time here one time there and yeah like show yourself hey like everything didn't go to shit like yeah I didn't my body didn't change overnight nothing bad has happened I'm safe to do that yeah no, normally the, the, like the, the reason people are you know you're binge eating or whatever you're doing to, that helps helps you is your brain's trying to protect you it's exactly. you know, it think it thinks that doing these things is going to help you for whatever reason because it gives you a, like a spike of positive energy for a bit and it thinks it's helping so if you just stop your brain is going to panic like whether you want whether you you know it's bad for you or not subconsciously your, your brain's trying to protect you it's like telling you to stop making your heart beat for a bit you can't your brain's trying to look like keep you alive so it won't just do it um so if you all of a sudden just stop your brain's going to panic so it's about teaching your subconscious brain um that it's going to be all right so you're doing little bits and just letting your brain be like oh shit like nothing mm-hmm. nothing bad happened there i mean okay maybe we can do that and then you know over time you learn exactly exactly that's also what I say like it's like this protective thing and we view it as like oh I'm I'm so messed up like look at this stupid thing I do that like logically I know is like bad for me and Mm. I you know it messes me up for a few days or whatever and then we sort of like shame ourselves and have all this guilt around it which just keeps everything going as well but if we view it from a different lens like it's actually a protective measure it's Mm. a bit distorted yes but it is part of your brain like looking out for you and yeah it just I think it makes it more approachable and more doable when you view it from yeah. that way. yeah our, our brains are, are wired in a way that doesn't always seem logical in in the the this day and age mm. um you know and it's, it's I think it's a similar thing with the whole body image thing and you know on Instagram and stuff I think our brains are wired to focus on the negatives more than the positives because the negatives are more important mm-hmm. if something is is a danger to us we need like as far as our brain's concerned that's the thing we need to focus on if, if we've if we cock up or do something wrong we need to focus on that whereas exactly. if we if we do something positive or do something well, well we can forget about that because we do it well now so it doesn't matter anymore like we can do that so let's just move on and, and concentrate more on the things we mess up yeah um, and that's why i think you know the body body positivity message and stuff is is so important um because it helps you know it helps remind us to to you know focus on the positives because our brain won't do it for us you have you have to you know purposefully think that was a good thing i did let's remember that good thing i did um 
you know, we were talking, I don't, I don't know if you, I'm sorry if this isn't, you don't want to the podcast, feel free to cut this out. We were talking beforehand about, you know, your um, subscribers going mm-hmm. up and then you said, mm-hmm. you know, you felt a bit bad about the fact that it was um, stagnating. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's so important to remember, you know, that that's another one of those things where your brain's just like, oh, we've done that now. So let's just leave it. Yeah. But it's not, you know, you, you should go back to that and be like like shit like you know I've, I've done yeah. all this is really cool like it isn't just something I've done and I can leave now it is really cool what you've done um and yeah don't don't just let your brain be like oh we've done that now let's move on so true so true I say it I say it with my clients all the time like even those little wins along your recovery journey it's so easy to diminish it and be like oh yeah but it was only because of this or you know it's just one time it's like no we've gotta we've gotta like bathe in that mm. feeling and like just let yourself just live with it for even a few moments mm. like be that positive as you said yeah. like very purposefully you've got to see it like that mm. um, I, for me journaling helps with that a lot mm. like writing it down because then it then it's like my brain can't forget about it then because I've got it in front of me I write down like the cool stuff I've done like just and be like that's really cool like like stop yeah. stop pretending like that's not cool like if, if someone else came to me like the people that you get jealous of or something, you know, and you see that they've done something. Like imagine, imagine that person doing what you did, like do like, you know, getting all these like followers or, you mm-hmm. know, get getting all likes on a post or um, I don't know what else you've done. Like for, for me, like, you know, my, my master's degree, I, I, I see all the, like, I'm so bad for it because when, when we finished our masters, I saw so many people posting about, oh, I finished my master's degree. Like, I can't believe I, I posted my dissertation today and stuff. I posted my diss like two weeks before the deadline. I didn't put a post about it. I literally just, I closed my, I know I didn't even close, I closed the thing down. Like I sent it off, closed it down and then just started working on my minds. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't even tell mom and dad. I, I remember it was like two days later, they were asking me how my diss was going. I was like, oh, I sent it off. Like I just didn't, I didn't like, because you just don't, you just don't like congratulate yourself yeah. for it. And maybe I'm an extreme version of that, but you know, it's really important to be like, that was really cool. Like, that was really good what you just did. Um, and allow yourself to kind of bathe in it. Like you were saying. Mm, so is, yeah, I have this little, like list on my phone, my confidence list, like all pieces of evidence why I can be confident in myself. <laughs> like all the cool things I've done that like, out of my comfort zone a bit scary but like I just added to my sense of confidence and it's so cool mm. sometimes just like look over and be like whoa I <laughs> did that's cool <laughs> have you got are your dancing skills on there they're they not but they, they should be <laughs> they should but they should they, they really should be because that sounded like a joke when I was saying that but like whenever I see your videos and you're done you could you are like really good at dancing have you done uh, dancing in the past I was really into it as a kids like I was in like dance crews and stuff oh, okay but okay, not yeah. not formally trained yeah, but you can tell though you can tell you're you're into it because like I would, sometimes <laughs> I watch videos I'm like shit like you, you can really dance I was like I was taken back no I love it I actually dance like every day usually when I'm like getting ready in the morning it's like mm. peps you up bit of exercise and I love music as well so it's just like a cool yeah. duo but yeah you previously mentioned Maya Minds so Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, of course. Um, so I set up Maya Minds about 16 months ago, I think 15, 16 months ago. Um, and the original intention was to be this archive of stories within the kind of fitness community and sporting community, people within that talking about their mental health. 
because I was, like I said before, you know, no one in the exercise community talks about the struggles that people who are exercisers have because, and quite rightly, you know, we, we talk a lot about how good exercise is for your mental health because it is. Um, but it's so important people are aware that they can go and seek help for an issue that is to do with exercise. If you can't stop exercising and it's, and it's making you feel bad and giving you anxiety or whatever, you can go and seek help for that. Like, and, and you will, it can help, like it will get better. And, and but people don't feel like they can, at least I didn't feel like I, that I could. And I know a lot of people didn't. And, you know, eating disorders are a lot more common in athletes and in people who exercise and, and quite rightly, um, I mean, not rightly, but, you know, it seems to make logical sense because things like perfectionism is one of the leading traits in people who have disordered eating and people who have compulsive exercise and going to the gym or being an athlete, usually perfectionism is a trait that is encouraged on you because you mm -hmm. want to look a certain way. You want to get to a certain amount of strength. You know, there's so much goal setting and reaching perfect values um, weight and shape concern so like higher someone's weight and shape concern is tends to mean they have higher amounts of disordered eating or higher amounts of compulsive exercise you know when was the last time you heard someone go to the gym and didn't say they were trying to look a certain way or trying to lose or gain weight yeah Every, it's, it's like not even 99 percent like 99.99999 percent of people are, are going to change their weight or shape um and then anxiety as well like all the social media stuff about um about fitness and, and diets all about like oh you can't eat this you can't eat that you have to eat this you have to eat that um and that causes so much anxiety and anxiety is something that is very common in people with disordered eating and mm -hmm. compulsive exercise so no wonder it's a it's higher in this community and uh, but no one's talking about it so I so on my minds um we i shared all these stories and and they're on the website still we have like 78 unique stories, I think, um, from different people. You know, we have a TV presenter from the BBC. We have um, professional athletes. We have psychiatrists. We have um, like um, professors of psychology. We've got just regular people like gym goers. Um, and they're all free to read if you know people are feeling like they want to, you know, they want to feel a bit more normal or, you know, they, they feel like they, you know, they, they want someone to relate to that you can go and read them freely on the website at mindwords.com. Um, and then since then, it's kind of, you know, I've met more people and it's kind of taken off and I've just enjoyed it. Um, and so I've started to adapt it. And now I, you know, our motto now is to demystify mental health and to make sharing mainstream. So what I do is I'm, I'm a big research head, you know, I meant, I've been mentioning research, all this podcast and stuff. And I, I basically just learn as much as I can about the, the common um, mental health issues within exercise and within um, sports. And I just, I try and educate about it. So I've started doing these Maya Minds lessons on the Instagram where at the moment I'm talking about muscle dysmorphia. Um, and then I also set up the Maya Minds podcast, which you have been on. Um, <laughs> and I talk about people, uh, talk to people about disordered eating, about compulsive exercise, about issues within an exercising community and about their stories and about the research and about all that kind of stuff and just try and raise awareness for this. And, and like I say in the slogan, you know, I'm trying to demystify mental health and I'm trying to make sharing mainstream, make it normal within mm. this exercising, within this fitness community and within the sporting community. And that's what my mind is all about. And that's what I'm trying to do with it. Um, and I, you know, I've got more stuff planned in the future, hopefully. Um, and I'm now working with a charity called first steps ED, 
which if you're in the kind of in the UK and in the kind of Midlandsy area, particularly they work, especially if you're a Nottingham University student or Nottingham Trent or Loughborough or I think Leicester Uni as well now. And they provide support for people with eating disorders, people with mental health. Um, and I have um, helped them design and I now deliver um, CPD training sessions about exerciser and athlete mental health and to teaching like sports professionals and anyone who wants to sign up so cool love it thank you i love that you're yeah really into like the research side of things like all the, the pockets of research you've mm. scattered throughout this episode i'm like See, i love it i love it i love a <laughs> <love better> research <laughs> well i want to i my like my goal is i want to work in research like my my like big goal for my mind is i'd love for and um, to eventually you know if i can start making some money and, and you know get into a good position i can start doing research through my own minds right. and you know be be one of those like leading experts in exercise and mental health and actually doing the research um you know whether i do it myself and then you just present it through my minds or if maybe one day my minds can become have like a research section to mm -hmm. it and i can have research and like that was, that's the dream but that's like very long-term dream but to have that like a research center under my minds and you know looking into this and yeah just trying to you know help people who are exercisers and athletes mm, so cool such a cool mission so needed <laughs> so needed and like I feel like you're an awesome voice to lead the way in that space thank you okay. thank you very much so tell us then where can we find you where can we find Maya Minds yeah so um Maya Minds you can best place to go is mayaminds.com there's kind of everything that you can get links to the social media links to the podcast you can see the stories um you know there's loads of stuff on there um if you want to, if you want to just go straight to the the social medias, um, Instagram is at myo underscore minds. Someone already took myo minds, which is really frustrating. Um, but, <laughs> and it's M Y O. Yeah, M Y O underscore M I N D S. Um, myo is actually the Greek term. It's from a Greek term meaning muscle. Oh. So it's like muscle minds, but it also sounds like my mind. So I like, I like, right. I like it. Um, and then Facebook, Twitter is myo minds. Um, if you want to follow, if you want to add me on LinkedIn or anything like that, you can feel free to search my name. You can't forget my last name. It's impossible. My, my name is George Mycock and that is M-Y-C-O-C-K. And yes, it's embarrassing. No, I didn't get bullied for it, but that's a long story. It's because there was another kid in my school who was smaller than me and he also had the same last name. Um, so I didn't get bullied for it. He got all the stick for oh, it. Oh, poor guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, so thank you to that guy. Um, but yeah, feel free, add me on anything. Um, drop me a message if you want to talk about stuff. Um, and you know, yeah, I'm here to talk. Oh, love it. Well, it's been a pleasure having you here and chatting and learning more about you and your zoo upbringing and everything. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. Perfect. See you then. Bye. And that is the scoop for today. If this app inspired you, taught you something new, or has helped give you direction in your recovery journey, it would mean the world to me if you did me a massive favor. It'll only take two minutes, I promise. Review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Once you've posted it, take a screenshot and DM that photo to me. I'll enter you into a monthly raffle. Yep, that's right, I ain't gonna leave you hanging. So each month I'll randomly select one lucky winner and you'll receive a free one-to-one -one coaching sesh with me. It'll be super fun and valuable. 
And if you'd really love to give back more to me, it'd help me build this podcast so much more and reach so many more women if you shared it with someone else who you think will love it. Maybe it's a sister, a friend, a bestie, or your mom. I love you all so much. Thanks for listening and have a beautiful day.